0: welcome back to the show we're keeping it real goes right welcome back to real take sports talk live here on youtube Welcome to everyone watching at home. Welcome to everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever the hell else you're listening to this show. We have a lot to get to today. Some wonderful news out of the NFL. We have some starting quarterbacks who finally, finally, by God, finally have their jobs already in certain, ready to go. We also have news from ESPN, some very breaking news that we're going to go over regarding Rachel Nichols and her future, or lack thereof at that company gonna be talking about lamar jackson who answered some questions from critics who said that the nfl has apparently figured him out we'll discuss that much much more from the wonderful wonderful wonderfully wacky world of sports and we're gonna do it all right here right now live here on youtube and on spotify stitcher wherever the fuck else you're listening um i already said that so let's kick it off today by discussing the breaking news that I mentioned. Let's start off today talking about Rachel Nichols. And and this has been a bit of a developing story for the past few months, in case you haven't uh, been paying attention. This goes back to, to about right before the NBA Finals, I believe, when the whole Maria Taylor-Rachel Nichols controversy came up. So let's get right to it and, and, and really get into it, uh, rather. Um, so... Rachel Nichols' time at ESPN, or at least on the ESPN airwaves, has apparently come to an end. The network is now removing Rachel Nichols from her hosting duties on all NBA and ESPN programming, canceling, yes, canceling The Jump, which is a very popular show on ESPN covering basketball. ESPN Senior Vice President of Production David Roberts confirmed this decision today, and It has shocked a lot of people, but also there's a lot of people who aren't too shocked about what has transpired, considering the more recent history of Rachel Nichols. So if we go back to just about a few months ago, just about, I believe, July, June, there was a big stir about some comments that Rachel Nichols had made about Maria Taylor, saying that she only got in her position, Maria Taylor only got in the position of covering the NBA Finals. Because of her race, and rightfully so, this caused the an outcry amongst a lot of people. This caused an outcry amongst many people who were not only fans of the NBA, but just just people in their right mind concerned about these comments, especially coming from someone who has who has been in a position that Rachel Nichols has been in. So, let me let me I'll get to you know Rachel Nichols specific. Uh, reaction to this news, but let me read out something from uh, from John Outward, who, who talked to David Roberts on this decision today. David Roberts, the senior vice president of ESPN, says, quote, we mutually agreed that this approach regarding our NBA coverage was the best for all concerns, Ed Roberts. Rachel is an excellent reporter, host, and journalist, and we thank her for her many contributions and NBA content. So while she's not officially fired, it looks like it's the end of Rachel Nichols at ESPN. Uh, the report also goes on to note that she has one year left at her, on her contract, so that means that she's basically just going to ride it out. Um, and 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 that's and it, it's an interesting development. Um, now let's get Rachel Nichols's take on this very quickly. In a tweet earlier today, she said, "Got to create a whole show and spend five years hanging out with some of my favorite people." Talking about one of my favorite things, an eternal gratitude, an eternal thank you to our amazing producers and crew. The jump was never built to last forever, but it sure was fun. More to come. So that was Rachel Nichols thanking her producers, thanking her crew, thanking everyone she's worked with. Um, and, and you know, it, I think the big question that, you know, people who might not be familiar with the situation is, why is this happening? Because Rachel Nichols has been there for a long time. Yes, she made a terrible mistake. Um, and and she made, a, I don't know whether it was a lapse in judgment or she said the quiet part out loud. I think it's more so a little bit of a combination of both. But she said something that was inexplicably terrible. And the the, the, the reason that it, it, it rung, the reason it's hit so hard, the reason that it's so important that, that it would it that those comments that Rachel Nichols made about Maria Taylor be criticized to the extent they were is because these have been criticisms that have been levied at a lot of people of a lot of different backgrounds for a long time. That this person only got in this position not because they clawed and worked hard and overcame overcame the the barriers that were in place. But because of their race, it actually helped them. And that is a misnomer. That is a trope that has been proven to be wrong time and time again. It is completely untrue. So that's why it was important, I think, for people to come out against this and for ESPN to take some action. So in look, you might be wondering, you know, why now? Why is ESPN doing this now? Because Maria Taylor, who was a great host for ESPN, she already left. After the NBA Finals coverage on ESPN uh, this year, she already left. She's now at NBC Sports doing, you know, I'm assuming wonderful things. She's probably going to be doing some coverage of the of, of you know hockey, perhaps, and 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 Sunday Night Football. So we'll see what she does. But with for for the question that I have, honestly, is why now? Because we know that what Rachel Nichols did was terrible. We know that what she said you can't really take back. You the only thing you can do, and, and I legitimately think the only thing you can do is truly, truly seek redemption and and actually think about what you've done, think about the 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 ramifications of the comments, because these are damning comments when you think about it. And you have to learn from them and you have to know that you learn from them first and if ESPN wants to distance themselves from Rachel Nichols to this extent, that that's fine. That's their prerogative. That's their decision. However, does it really fix the underlying problems that are at play at, at ESPN? Does it really fix the underlying problems that are at play here? I don't know. And look, it, it's hard to judge redemption. It's hard to judge whether or not a person has truly made strides to to better themselves, you know. That is something that Rachel Nichols is going to have to do at her own time. But when we're talking about this, we, we can't just talk about Rachel Nichols and, and how great of an anchor she was or is and how great of a reporter she is. That's, that's a given. Rachel Nichols has a 20-year-long track record of being an amazing reporter, an amazing journalist, an amazing host. The Jump was one of my favorite shows on ESPN. It was honestly... what. Well, Honestly, it was one of the only shows where they just didn't go to outright debate all the time and they actually talked about sports in a fun way. And and I enjoyed that. So it has nothing to do with her credentials, it has nothing to do with her 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 um, you know, history as far as what she does professionally. It has to do with her credibility because that's what took a hit when this went down. Her credibility took a hit. And I think that's honestly why ESPN has has answered in this way. I think that they're just like, it is best for both parties, best for everybody involved if we just move on and do a clean cut from this entire situation. And look, if we're being honest, it's not like Rachel Nichols is going to you know be jobless or or not have a home for a while it's just, someone's going to pick her up it's going to happen it might take a little bit might take a little longer than it usually would but i i think someone's definitely going to pick her up she's probably going to go to fox sports she might go to cbs who apparently that they, they have a sports network who knew um i will tell you one thing one place she's definitely not going rachel nichols will damn sure not be going to nbc sports that's that's not happening like <laughs> i i'm sure that's a that's not going to happen at all but um but it, but it's interesting and and again these are they're, they're tough conversations because you know you i what i've always disliked what i've always disliked about this is the desire to the desire to either you know completely damn someone to an eternal you know banishment from everything or on the other side on the flip side of it oh, my God, what they said wasn't bad. No, what Rachel Nichols said was terrible. But what it did was it brought attention to something that we don't talk about. And these are conversations we should be having, you know, because the thinking that Rachel Nichols uh, outlined, the thinking that Rachel Nichols um, um, portrayed in her statements and in that recorded conversation about Maria Taylor were things that people have been saying behind closed doors for a long time. And they're tropes that need to be talked about in order for us to get past them. That's what it's about. So, and and look, if and look, she didn't make the comments about me. I'm not gonna be the one to forgive um, Rachel Nichols. I'm not I don't even know if there's anyone out there who, who can or should forgive Rachel Nichols. It's not about forgiveness, it truly is a personal thing with Rachel Nichols. She has to genuinely learn from what she did and learn why why those comments should not be be spoken about like that especially when you're talking about someone like Maria Taylor who literally clawed and earned her way to her position at ESPN. It this was like it, it, they were also just wrong like like as far as inaccurate like Maria Taylor's cred, credentials speak for themselves. I'm not going to tout them here. Like so it, it for me It's just about that. It's not just, oh, Rachel Nichols should never, ever have a job or, oh, we need to forgive her for everything. No, no, it is. It's life is complicated. And so are these issues. But if we don't talk about them, how are we expected to actually get past them? How are we expected to address them? And how are we expected to get better? And that is what this is all about. This is about not only Rachel Nichols, not only ESPN, but our society getting better at addressing these issues and talking about about you know tough things like this in a more substantive and uh, pragmatic and, po- and positive way. That's what it's about. So that's what I think we should take away from this. Again, ESPN. I don't know where ESPN goes from this, but but. You know, who's really left, though? That's the other thing. Because Rachel Nichols goes away, and we'll just look at it from ESPN's perspective as far as who they have on air. Rachel Nichols goes away now, and it is it is now, like, like who's left? You have Stephen A. Smith. Max Kellerman's doing stuff on ESPN Radio, so he's going to be more distant away from TV. Stephen A. Smith. You have, you know, the revolving door of, of analysts that they have. And then you have Greeny. But then, other than that, everyone else from, like, The 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 golden era maybe Tony Reali and and Michael Wilbon, but but other than that ESPN man it's looking pretty light like especially on like personalities you know, and 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 you don't want Stephen A that's the thing you don't want Stephen A credible personalities ESPN has had a problem with having credible personalities on the air because Stephen A, a lot of people love him a lot of people don't like him you cannot tell me that that man is a is a credible personality as far as you know sports look i'm not saying he's not he wasn't a journalist at a time but now he's just a sports commentator kind of like me kind of like me um you know and and other than that the, there's not really many left and that's concerning for some a place like espn that at least it used to pride itself on credibility pride itself on on its desire to report sports report sporting news and talk about sports in a fun way. It has turned very toxic it has turned very very tar- like just it, it, it's it's not fun anymore. That's the thing and I understand there are issues that's uh, about sports uh, that, that, that that involve real life things So that's always been happening like serious topics have always been a part of sports that's just life. And then sports is a microcosm of society and life. You have to at some points talk about tough issues that involve politics, that involve race, that involve stories we might not want to talk about, but that's life and that's part of sports. But to but what I've been seeing for a very long time in ESPN, it's almost like the fun is completely taken out of it. And and it's left with just being this bland. Repetitive, reductive conversation debates all the time. It's just debate after debate, after debate, after debate, after debate. and I'm and I think everyone's just sick of it. Why can't we just have fun? Like I and you know why, what, what happened to the investigative news stuff that they used to do? i you know what I miss shows like the sports reporters I might have been the only one who watched it but personally shows like the sports reporters with with John Saunders and, and and the crew every Sunday morning that was an interesting show the E60 stuff they used to do they used to highlight way more often than they do now was amazing and it, it just seems like they've moved past that and just done an easy to make easy to make content that you know any idiot can make Anyway, that's that's that is what it is. Hopefully, hopefully I just hope for everyone. I just hope everyone in this whole situation looks in the mirror and really addresses the issues that are at hand. I'm talking about ESPN, Rachel Nichols, everyone involved. Um, So we'll see what happens with that. If if it needs to be addressed later on, we will do so. If you guys haven't already, hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Also, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this, be sure to hit that follow button and give us a five-star review. Let's move on to another topic in sports. This one has more to do with the NFL. Let's move on to the NFL and let's talk about Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson. So Lamar Jackson, the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, former MVP. He's looking to help the Ravens improve on their 11 and five record from last year. Jackson was asked this week about whether or not he thinks that people in the league, people, meaning defenses in the league have figured him out. And Jackson's response to that was we're going to see, but I doubt it though. I strongly doubt it. And this caused a little bit of a firestorm, not only on Twitter, but uh, but on various different shows, various different uh, outlets. And the question has become, have defenses found a way to figure out Lamar Jackson? And I'm just going to address this very blatantly and very openly. No, they haven't. Because last time I checked, Lamar Jackson is two years removed from leading the NFL in touchdowns. Last time I checked, Lamar Jackson, back-to-back the past two years, back two seasons, has had 1,000 yards rushing. Last time I checked, Lamar Jackson last year, he had 26 touchdowns to nine interceptions. Last time I checked, Lamar Jackson still completing above 64% of his passes. Last time I checked, Lamar Jackson is has seven yards per attempt. Last time I checked... Lamar Jackson is still a top 5 quarterback in this league. Last time I checked, the Ravens are 11 and 5 last year, uh 14 and 2 the year before, and I believe they were 6 and 3 with Lamar Jackson. Actually, no, 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 6 and 1 with Lamar Jackson at the home the year previous. So, have defenses found a way to figure out Lamar Jackson? If they have, I am not seeing any evidence of that. Point blank, not seeing any evidence of that. There are a lot of people who want to to say that oh Lamar Jackson you know oh he's great he's a great runner and his ability to run makes him a better thrower you know what you're right and and you are telling me you're telling me that there are that this that you're not supposed to use your abilities to help you be a better football player is that is that what the, some of the people are saying because if that's what you're saying then why does why do we have quarterbacks moving outside? Why does Baker Mayfield do a lot of his plays rolling out to the left? Because he's better when he rolls out? Why does why Russell Wilson like to move around the pocket because he's better when he moves around in the pocket? Why like, like, I, I, I never got that. Lamar Jackson is an amazing runner whose ability to throw is only scrutinized because he is such an amazing running a running quarterback. His athletic... Is he a better runner than he is a passer? Probably. I will say that. You know what? And you know what? And you know what? That's not a fair th- comparison to make because he might be the best running... He is the best running quarterback of all time. No disrespect to Michael Vick. It's just true. He's the best running quarterback of all time. And on top of that, for his first three years, for for as young as he is, I believe, for a quarterback who's 24 years old in age, Lamar Jackson is the most efficient quarterback for his age in NFL history. I'm talking about completion percentage, touchdown and interception ratio, yards per attempt. He is the most efficient in all of those categories for his age in NFL history yet we still talk about his his ability to throw as a question he led the league in touchdown passes he won the mvp he he led the league in touchdown interception ratio 2 years ago last year he had a down year a down year and it was still a damn good year throwing the football and 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 that's the thing that i think people People overlook and or sorry, underlook Lamar Jackson because of his ability to run. And that I don't know that that might just be a thing where people they are just conditioned to think of quarterbacks and think of the quarterback position in a certain way. And they don't want to deviate from that. They don't want to look beyond that. And they don't want to look beyond the 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 certain way that we've been brought up to really look at quarterbacks because we've been brought up to look at quarterbacks like paid manning tom brady statues in the pocket who are efficient from the pocket lamar jackson by the way very efficient from the pocket one of more efficient quarterbacks in the nfl from the pocket that's just truth too but we don't want to talk about that we want to talk about how oh my god lamar jackson he he can't throw the ball downfield except when he does to Receivers who really aren't that good, or you can't name outside of Hollywood Brown. Name one receiver on the Ravens. Maybe Mark Andrews. You can name because he's also okay. Yeah, he has he has one of the best tight ends in the league. Outside of that, he doesn't really have anyone. And they use him perfectly. They use him perfectly. If you had a talent like Lamar Jackson and you didn't run the ball with him, you would be an idiot. You would be fired as a head coach, fired as an offensive coordinator, because you're not using your best talent in the best way to use him. Lamar Jackson should be running. Lamar Jackson should be passing. Then the Ravens do a great job of uh, finding a way to do both. And they get the most out of him. That is the job of a coach. That is a job of an offensive coordinator. That is a job of a football team to make plays, to use players to the best of their ability and for people to 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 somehow warp this as oh my god because he's such a great runner he must be a terrible passer completely asinine ignorant terrible argument so miss me with that bullshit seriously miss me with that bullshit because what else does he need to do what else does Lamar Jackson need to do what I think what, do do people want to see Lamar Jackson throw for four thousand yards and throw for fifty touchdowns? Is that what they want? Because if that's what you want, no, he'll he'll probably never do that. Lamar Jackson might never throw for four thousand yards, and that's okay. You know why? Because he's gonna run for thousand every year too, and that's fine. You know why? Because the Ravens are an offense that is predicated on holding the ball for long periods of time, holding the ball for long periods of time, running it down your throat, and and they don't need they don't need to have as many plays as other teams they don't need to have as many uh, ability or times to throw the ball as other teams. They don't throw the ball that often because they don't need to because they're usually up and they're usually controlling the tempo of the game. That's their entire strategy. So if you just want to look at isolated stats and 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 just look at oh my god, oh he only threw for 3000 yards this year. Miss me with that. Watch the goddamn game. You want to you want to you want to analyze football people? Watch the game. Watch this guy play. Go back and watch the Monday Night Football game against the Browns and tell me he can't throw. Go back and watch anything. Any game from twenty twenty uh, from 2019. His MVP season. Tell me that guy can't throw. Tell me. Go watch the game where he's playing Jalen Ramsey and he cuts him up. Tell me he can't throw. Fuck. Experts. Analysts. Fucking analysts. Don't know shit. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. I, I get defensive. I get defensive when when people bullshit me about my own quarterback. Because, uh, because then, uh, you know what the thing is? I was talking to a friend one time. And he was like, and he was trying to make the argument. This was right after Lamar Jackson's MVP season. He was trying to make the argument with me that, oh, man, Lamar Jackson, he's just not as good as even Kyler Murray, or he's not as good as the other running quarterback, Josh Allen. I was like, what do you mean he's not? And he was like, yeah, well, look at his touchdown interception ratio. And I, I was like, okay, look at his touchdown interception ratio from this year. He's like, oh, damn, okay. But he—but his yards per attempt is, is low. And I was like, really? And then I looked at the stats, and I was like, oh, yeah, he actually has a higher yards per attempt than Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. Silence, silence, because sometimes people don't know what they're talk, where they're talking out of. But I know. And at that point, my friend, God bless him, was just talking out of his ass. But that's what people do sometimes. That's what people do. Um, Let's go to the chat real quick. Um, No, Lara, Lara, I believe I'm I'm butchering that name, says in the chat. It all depends on how Rachel Nichols handles either uh, this either. Uh, okay, I need to look at myself in the mirror, or, you know, yeah, yeah, she needs to look at herself in the mirror, that's what it is, big ticket in the chat says, a lot of NFL analysis like Steve Smith are critical of the lack of routes of the wide receivers run, that's true too, the Ravens offense is very, is kind of, it's like slant and go, it's slant and go, sometimes, I but, so it's slant and go, but it also, I don't think it needs to be overly complicated either right? I think but I think they, they can throw in some 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 deep balls they, because I, I do one thing I will criticize Lamar Jackson for and this was more so last year in 2019 he did a great job of this 2020 I don't know why maybe it was maybe I don't know what it was I tru- truly don't know what it was sometimes I felt like there was a lack of of desire to just let go of the ball and throw it downfield. And it's not because he couldn't Lamar Jackson can. And he did a few times when he needed to, but there were some times where I saw wide receivers streaking down the field. And I was like, just, just unload it, unload it cannon. And you know, maybe, and look, he worked out with the, the receivers last, this off season, Maybe it was also like because last year was like the COVID season. Uh there were there were problems as far as getting people together for training camp and 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 you know getting routes together or getting some chemistry. So maybe that was it. So we'll see what happens this year. Big ticket in the chat also says, Lamar, is the truth. You speak the truth. God damn right I do. And the truth is you're selling yourself short if you're not subscribed to the channel, hitting that notification bell and hitting that like button so as many people as possible can see this video so let's move on everyone and talk about let's move on and talk about college football something we don't talk about too often whoops Ooh, we messed up there let's talk about college football though there is a merger in the works and i talked about it on a video earlier today there's a merger in the works there's a merger that has apparently been completed. The commissioners of the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC made it official this week, announcing an alliance between the three leagues, but they offered little as far as concrete plans for the future. Instead, the group announced that the alliance uh, was a handshake agreement with a unanimous support from all members born from a mutual appreciation for academics, quote-unquote, sponsoring uh, sponsoring. Um, sporting events and general pursuit of social justice, gender equality, diversity, and inclusion. Tuesday's announcement did not offer a clear path forward as far as scheduling and whether we're not whether we're going to get interconference play between these three conferences. But there was a quote from one uh, AD that says there is an air of cooperation. We don't know what opportunities might come from it. So you might look at this and and say. Well, that's a whole lot of nothing. And on some level, you are corrected. It, it does sound like a whole lot of nothing. But the the let me just get down to the reason why that these conferences kind of came together in the manner that they did and made this announcement at least. It is because they are seeing so much control, so much power, so much influence, and so much spotlight put on one conference, and that is the Southeastern Conference, the SEC, And the what triggered this really was the defection of both Texas and Oklahoma from the Pac-10 or from the Pac-12 to the SEC. They're going to be going over there. Those are two huge schools, two historic schools that are now leaving their own conferences in pursuit of more money, more credibility, higher competition in the SEC. And we already know about the SEC bias because. The SEC is put on a pedestal more so than any other team. They have an advantage in recruiting or any other conference. They have an advantage in, with recruiting. They have an advantage with getting bigger uh, deals because there is such a spotlight and so, and so much clout in the SEC. And there's so much there's over the years, they've built that up to where there's just, they're an unstoppable machine. Really every year, there's at least two teams to from the SEC that are in the college football, football playoff. And there's only four spots. So, that's why the, the this alliance was announced. that's why that these three conferences are going forward in the way they are. You might be asking yourself what could a partnership look like and honestly, I'm not sure about the details, but one thing I think you can definitely expect maybe not next year, but two, three years down the line, you could definitely expect interconference play. you can 100% expect that because, these three conferences are going to have to put their heads together, put their resources together to somehow compete with the juggernaut that is the SEC. And the best way to do that is put your best teams against each other you know, throughout the year, maybe two to three games a year on the schedule or interconference play. And you do that in order to make the competition stiffer and put more spotlight on your teams. Excuse me. And the other thing you have to also take into play with the interconference play is making sure you schedule these things in the best way for for logistics to work out, you know, if because Pac-12 and Big Ten, sometimes that involves six hour uh, flights. Over the weekend and then six hours back, it, so because so you're traveling from the West Coast to East Coast, maybe. So there, there's logistics that need to be figured out, but those will be figured out. Those 100 percent will be figured out, and that's the biggest crucial aspect of this that needs to be addressed early on, rather, because you need if you're if you're the Big Ten and in, in the Pac-12 and the ACC before Texas and Oklahoma leave, you want to have already had some interconference game played so that by the time that they're already gone by 2025 you have you have this level of of credibility at least built up between these three conferences that some of your teams are elevated to the level of an SEC or at least you know on somewhat of an equal playing field and and that's what this is all about getting getting making sure that they're able to maintain a level of respectability and credibility comparatively to the SEC. Um, as far as what this might mean for college football, I think this is this is necessary. This is necessary. And look, it might set, set a trend because there's a lot of conferences in college football that never get a chance at, at stuff like this. Like, you might, I, if I'm like the Mountain West Conference, if I'm all these other conferences dude combine like let's let's go you need you if you want to compete with even these conferences right now you have to be thinking about this right now because those conferences are always overlooked so maybe this starts a trend of conferences pooling their resources together maybe we see mergers happening out of this because this is not an all-out merger this is more of an alliance is the the quote from the report that i read but it's necessary it's necessary because if they just allowed this to happen and allowed the SEC to just consolidate more and more talent, more and more resources, more and more clout, more and more credibility, over over time, these conferences were just going to fade out, and Pac-12 was going to become anything better than you know, like the, the the Mountain West, you know. And then that's that's I know that sounds weird to say, but that's just true. Um, so this is necessary. This had to happen. And it had to happen in a way that that made sure that this like that made sure that the the resources were pooled quickly. So it, it's it's a huge announcement, by the way. It, it is huge for college football, and it, it honestly might have saved some of these teams, some of these conferences from who knows. Like like look, they the the Pac-12 lost two huge schools, two huge schools. That is that is that is huge for them to 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 lose uh, those teams, and over time they weren't getting that better. They were not getting that better. Um, over time, Big Ten was also losing some schools. You know, who knows what was, what would happen to Notre Dame after more stuff is consolidated in the SEC? Would they have to become a part of it? And you know, we might even see uh, a bit of a we might see Notre Dame. Go over to the ACC full-time. We know they tried that on a trial basis last year. So there, there's a lot to come out of this, I think, o- over the next year or two. We're going to see this develop into a much larger uh, picture, into a much larger uh, scenario. So excited to see and hear about that because it honestly needed to happen. You couldn't allow the SEC because it was just going to become the SEC champion, you know, wins the national title, which I don't think anyone wants to see. unless you unless you live outside of you know the southeast region of america if you do that if you live there then you're perfectly fine with that you know but it'll never be georgia even if that's the case it'll never be georgia because georgia they can't win they can't win they 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 always choke um (laughs) let's move on everybody and talk about what are we talking about next oh quarterbacks the nfl we love that we love that let me drink my water real quick in the meantime, hit that like button, guys. Subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Ooh, the lighting is better. All right, so let's move on and talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's move on and talk about the number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. It seems like a formality, but Urban Meyer has officially announced that Trevor Lawrence... The number one overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft will be the starting quarterbacks to start the season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Meyer made a bit of a stir last week when he said that there was an open competition between Lawrence and incumbent mustachioed starter Gardner Minshew. That is not the case anymore. Lawrence this preseason has gone 20 of 32 for 184 yards and no touchdowns, but also has not thrown an interception. And this speaks to something that we already kind of knew. And that is that this was Trevor Lawrence's job to lose, and he really didn't do anything to lose it. That's That was always it. It was if Trevor Lawrence struggled mightily in the preseason and in training camp, maybe they would have started with Minshew to start off the season, give him a few weeks to kind of get more acclimated to the offense, more acclimated to the NFL system. Doesn't seem to be the case. It looks like he's good enough in training camp to start right away or good or at least not bad enough to not start it right away. And look, it was, I think it was a formality The thing the only reason Urban Meyer announced that there was a quote, open competition is because, you know, he, maybe he wanted to bring the better best out in both of these quarterbacks because Gardner Minshew is also a good quarterback that we'll talk about more in depth later. But I think now the bigger question becomes now that we know he's a starter is what can we expect from Trevor Lawrence? And, there's a lot riding on him. The Jacksonville Jaguars went 1-15 last year. This is not a good football team. And they believe that Trevor Lawrence is the answer to a lot of their problems, at least over the next few years. And the truth is, he might be. Trevor Lawrence, coming out of college, was the number one prospect in the draft. He was a number one quarterback prospect. He might pro- probably was the number one player prospect. I had... I had higher, I think Panay Sewell and and maybe Devontae Smith were better positional players at their positions than Trevor Lawrence, but I still think Trevor Lawrence was going to go number one no matter which team selected him. And he probably should have because this guy has a ceiling of a NFL Hall of Famer. That is just truth. And it's not just about, oh, look how big he is, look how strong his arm is it is about if you watch the games this guy makes reads very well he throws the ball with good enough velocity he's accurate he's a leader he's got everything you want and he and he's shown that he has that that intangible trait that leads to development over time and he's a guy i think who's going to develop into into i think a pro bowl level quarterback and who knows who knows what the what what the future might hold for him but what can we expect immediately from Trevor Lawrence I think you can expect struggles immediately. And that is not an indictment on Trevor Lawrence. That is not an indictment on, oh, hey, you shouldn't have gone number one. He's going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. This was a 1-15 in 15, 15 football team last year with Gardner Minshew at the helm. And Minshew was a damn good quarterback too. But he couldn't overcome it. And I think it's going to be hard because that offensive line, man, that offensive line is not good. Trevor Lawrence is going to get hurt. And we've seen over the preseason – he was he was rushed a lot when he dropped back to throw, and you're gonna expect to see a lot of that throughout the 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 postseason or throughout the regular season rather. Um, and the other question is like, what what can we expect from the Jags overall? I mean, even with Lawrence at the helm, I think Lawrence is gonna maybe light a spark in the same way that Joe Burrow did for the Bengals last year, and it wasn't apparent. If you looked at the stats or the scoreboards or, or the record, like the Bengals were last year, they were a pretty bad football team. And that's a reason they were picking top five again in the draft. But the, the reason why we, we saw what we saw from the Bengals last year was, and we weren't concerned necessarily about Joe Burrow, was we saw that he was poised. We saw that he could hang. And I think that's what you're going to see from Trevor Lawrence this year a lot of poise and the ability to kind of hang in there and be like all right he's not ready now but he, this guy is going to be special one day and i think that's what we can expect from Trevor Lawrence i think that's what we can expect from the Jacksonville Jaguars football team like this is not a team that's going to go you know 10 and 6 or sorry 10 and 7 because there are 17 games now or 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 9 and 8 or whatever it's going to be you know, they're probably going to struggle a little bit, but I think they're going to be in some games because this, is, this was even a competitive team last year, early on in the year when Minshew was at the helm. So for Trevor Lawrence, I think the expectations or the goal is to just play ball this season, learn, acclimate, and adapt to the NFL game. That is your goal. Your goal isn't to go out there and make the playoffs. If it happens while you're doing all of that, amazing Don't see it really happening, but if it does happen, that is an amazing feat, and he should be proud of that. But the goal is to stay upright, stay healthy, and learn the NFL game, adapt. Um, and, And that's the biggest thing for a young quarterback, learning how to adapt from the college game to the NFL game. Trevor Lawrence, he played Alabama. He played a lot of tough schools. He played against a lot of people that are in the league right now, so he knows it. And he played at some of the highest stages in college football. He's going to have to play better than he ever did then in order to stay upright in the NFL. And it's not going to be apparent immediately. I promise you. There's going to be a lot of people who they're going to see Trevor Lawrence first few weeks and be like, oh my God, he's struggled. He's he's only completing a uh, percent of his passes and yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And they're going to write him off as a bust immediately because some people just don't like Clemson. Um, but in, in actuality, what you look for a young quarterback on a bad team is poise, um, ability to shake off mistakes, and the and the ability to hang in there. And you will see that from Trevor Lawrence. As far as the other quarterback on the Jacksonville Jaguars team, his name, of course, is Gardner Flint Minshew II. So I've i I've, I've talked ad nauseum about one Gardner Minshew, how how great he is, how wonderful. Of Not just a, a quarterback, but a human being he is. But let's talk about Gardner Minshew a little more. So Gardner Minshew has been the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars over the past few seasons. Trevor Lawrence is now the guy. Minshew is now officially the backup. It was all a formality. It was going to happen eventually. But when you look at Gardner Minshew and, and you look at him now being the backup, what is next is the question. And... If you look at his history, this is a guy who was thrown for 37 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, over 5,000 yards, 7-13 and as a starter over the past two years on a shitty, shitty, itty-bitty, shitty Jacksonville Jaguars team who, of course, has the swagger over 9,000 on some Vegeta shit. Gardner Minshew, in my opinion, is going to be a guy who I think some teams are going to look at maybe as some somewhat of a, of a of a maybe a midseason replacement quarterback maybe he gets traded maybe the maybe he was uh kind of maybe the reason that urban meyer was talking about a quarterback competition was because he wanted to maybe bring up gardner M- Minshew's uh trade value and look gardner Minshew to me is a guy who he can play he can not only play ball in this league i think gardner Minshew can be a pretty good quarterback if you look at his draft class look at Gardner Minshew's draft class look at some of the quarterbacks that went before him Gardner Minshew went in the sixth round and some of the quarter two of the quarterbacks that went before him who were first round picks were Dwayne Haskins who is trying to be a backup in Pittsburgh right now and Daniel Jones who we'll talk about later on in the show who didn't have his fifth year option picked up and it's not even close. Gardner Minshew is m- much better than both of those quarterbacks. Confirm, take it to the bank, that is truth gospel definitely. But so he's he's like arguably the best quarterback from his draft class. Um I, I can't think of the other guy who was who who was picked before him, but 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 Gardner Minshew is one of is you know, he he's better than a lot of the quarterbacks that went before him. He has been able to show that he can, he can, he doesn't make mistakes. That's the thing, and I know that's a bit of a, of a, oh well, you know, the quarter quarterback position, you can't just not make mistakes. You have to also, oh, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray was probably a better player than Gardner Minshew, from being honest, but rookie season, Gardner Minshew had a better year. That's just truth. Look at the stats. Um, but no, no, no. Gardner Minshew is a, is a he does a lot of things that you want these young quarterbacks who are developing to do. Not turn the ball over, make the most out of a play, and make plays running outside the pocket when it all breaks down. That's what he has done for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's been able to steady the ship at many times when it wasn't really steadyable. That's not even a word, but you know what I mean. Um, he's got the leadership intangibles. Like the players loved him talk to the players in Jacksonville Jaguars over the past few years. They loved playing for Gardner Minshew. The fans love Gardner Minshew. You know, the the mustache became a meme, but it was truth. And and, and it showed you this charisma, this swagger that that you kind of need when you, when you when you're a leading quarterback and you're trying to be the guy, you know? And the Jacksonville Jaguars were in a situation where they had to pick Trevor Lawrence. I if I was a GM and I love Gardner Minshew, I would have picked Trevor Lawrence. You, like that you just have to. So Moving forward, I think there there still are some teams that I think have quarterback questions that could have their problems alleviated with Minshew at the helm. You know, if you are, let's say, for example, a team like um, a team like the Colts, who we, we saw Carson Wentz return to practice, very light practice. We don't know if he's going to be ready for Week One. Is that a place he could go to? You know. If uh, if things don't work out in New York, how fitting would it be that Gardner Minshew maybe gets traded to New York and he goes to the Giants and he outplays, which he likely will, Daniel Jones, you know? So so there there's many places I, I think he he could go and give value. Carolina Panthers don't don't scratch them out either. Carolina Panthers could be a landing spot for him if Sam Darnold doesn't work out. The Broncos, are you fine with Teddy Bridgewater being your starting quarterback? Because I think Gardner Minshew can do a lot of stuff Teddy Bridgewater can do and is honestly better at it and more efficient at it and more accurate at it. So maybe that's a place. So there's a, I think the NFL, the NFL would be doing itself a disservice. Teams would be doing themselves a disservice if they didn't at least make a call to inquire about Minshew because he's a locker room guy, he's a football guy, and he's just good. He's just damn good. I don't get it. I never got it. I never got why teams didn't didn't go after Minshew uh even more than they did. Like it was he he's just he's good. He's just that damn good. Um, you know what else is that damn good? This channel, if I'm if I can't say so myself. And if you agree with me, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. We have daily videos on not just sports, not just wrestling, but everything you can think about. I don't know. I messed that line up. Ah, I do that. It's whatever. Um, But we, got, we, I got a bunch of great videos coming out. If you want early access to some awesome documentary videos I'm working on, you can hit up patreon.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Join the $5 a month or above club. You also get access to exclusive live shows um after Real Take Russell Talk. So you'll get that and much more uh that is in the works that is happening. You also get to help out. Uh, with us, help us create this content, help me create this content, and, uh, uh, you know, just just contribute to the show, and you'll get a thank you from me every week. Um, so let's move on, though, and talk about um, not the NFL, not the NCAA, but let's talk about the NBA. We're going back to the NBA, and I don't know what's going on. There oh, seems to be a lot of negative news concerning the NBA as of late. But them's the breaks, them's the breaks, and we gotta report them. So this was interesting. Nerlens Noel is suing, yes, suing Clutch Sports and the agent, the favorite, very, very famous super agent, Rich Paul. So let's talk about it. Let's move forward to the NBA, where the New York Knicks center, Nerlens Noel, is going after one of the most powerful agents in the NBA in Rich Paul. This week, Noel filed a lawsuit against Agent Rich Paul and Clutch Sports claiming that he lost $58 million in salary while a as a client of Paul's from 2017 through 2020. Noel claims that uh, Paul was in breach of contract, breach of um, fiduciary duty, and, neglig- and neglectful of Noel, his client at the time. Uh, Noel took action after Clutch Sports recently filed a grievance with the National Basketball Players Association, claiming that Noel hadn't paid a $200,000 bill uh, in commission on the previous one-year contract with the Knicks. So there's a bit of a history between the two parties that play here. Um, for those of you who don't know, Rich Paul is an NBA super agent. Some of his most notable clients are people like John Wall, uh, Anthony Davis, Ben Simmons, and of course, most notably, LeBron James. That was like his big, first big client. So th- there's a lot to talk about here. And and th- these this is when sports, this is the unfun side of sports, the very sad side of sports that people don't want to talk about, the, the, where money gets held up and, and, and whatnot. So... The, the, there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, first of all, I just want to address this. Um, initially, what do I make of all of this? Initially, it, it, it seems like Noel is claiming that while he was an agent, well, uh, while he was a client of Rich Paul, when he had a great season, he had a season with the Mavs where he averaged ten points, seven or uh, seven rebounds, um, you know, and a block a game, like like not not elite, but very good and worth a Big contract. Now Noel, um, who was represented by uh, an older or another agent before, said claims that he had received an extension offer from the Mavericks in 2013. Um, on a four or, or not in 2013, but he had received after that season with the Mavericks, he had received an offer four years, seventy million dollars. And Paul allegedly pitched Noel as a client by saying. He was a quote 100 million dollar man and could receive a max offer if he became Paul, uh, Paul's client. So, Noel then hired Paul and subsequently rejected the Mavericks' offer, instead, signing the $4.1 million dollar qualifying offer to become a free agent the following summer. So, Rich Paul essentially kind of uh, persuaded Nerland's Noel to bet on himself to become a $100 million like max contract player the next year. And that decision would prove to be very costly for Noel as he struggled in the following year, only playing 30 games being injured and hit career lows in every major statistical category. So that is, that's the point where Nerland Noel claims that Paul had become, uh, you know, negligent in his duty. And he began to apparently lose interest in him as a client. And when he hit, unrestricted free agency in 2018 he claims neither paul nor anyone at his agency at clutch sports presented any offers or strategies to alleviate the situation so instead um, of signing a max contract Nerlens Noel instead instead sent ended up signing the league minimum deal with Oklahoma City for two years ended up making like three billion dollars off of that and it and then you know they broke off and look From Nerland's Noel's side, I can understand this. I can understand frustration from having missed out on a a life-changing opportunity. Because I don't care what anyone tells you. $50 million to play basketball. And I know it's for $58 million to play basketball. I know it's not, you know, big comparatively to a lot of the contracts we're seeing. That is a shit ton of money. That is a shit ton of life-changing money. That is generational wealth. So I don't want to hear, like, you know, oh my God, well, oh, well, he's not well, he's he didn't he should have wanted more anyway. Well, okay, you should have wanted more, but still, $58 million is a life-changing amount of money. And that's why New Orleans Noel is probably pissed because he's like, man, I could have had that money. Now I'm playing for what? $3 million a year. So he I understand his frustration on that level, but I'm I'm not going to say that I agree with the the idea that Rich Paul you know persuading Orleans Noel that he should wait over uh wait until the next year to to get that max contract i don't think that's on rich paul that's on Orleans noel for getting persuaded that's on Orleans noel for betting on himself sometimes it works out sometimes betting on yourself works out look at joe flacco in 2012 he bet on himself he didn't sign uh uh, uh Minimal contract extension with the Ravens going into that season. What does he do? He goes out and has his best year, wins the Super Bowl, gets Super Bowl MVP, becomes the highest paid player in the NFL. Sometimes it works out. Other times, like in this case with Neerlon Noel, it doesn't. That's why in sports you got to take your money while you can. You got to take. You got to go to the bank while you can. Like it is, sports is a cutthroat business. And when you have money on the table like that, and you and you're in the position where Neerlon would was in. You probably should have taken the money, so that's why I guess Nerlens Noel is, is is possibly angry. Now, as far as the claims of Nurlands Noel um, and and the negligence that happened after that year, at wh- at the point where Nerlens Noel said that Paul began to lose interest and you know he never really reached out or he never got any good offers for him, Paul uh, Nerlens Noel might have a point there because if there's truth to that. If 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 there's evidence that uh, Rich Paul began to lose interest in Nerlens Noel as a client and, and didn't represent him to the best of his ability, he might have a case. However, I struggle to really think of ways to prove that. I think that's going to be very difficult, especially in a court of law. I know e- I know even private law or, or or you know civil law rather. There's there's a little more bend to the rules. There's a there's less burden, but even that, I, I struggle to see how t- you can prove that there was a lack of interest, unless you can prove that you know Nerlens Noel reached out at many points and never got a response back. Maybe, but I'm not sure what the evidence is. I'm sure that'll come out over time. Um, so if that's the case, then Nerlens Noel does have a point. But at the end of the day, I do think for a large portion of this. It's on New Orleans Noel for betting on himself. That's, the, that's them breaks. Them's the breaks, kid, as, as, as someone once said. Um, you have to be able to look at the situation, and when you're an athlete, when you're just coming off your best year, sometimes you just got to take what you got and go with it and wait for the next contract to come around, especially when you're in a position where New Orleans Noel was, where he was a highly touted uh, prospect out of college, and he fell in the draft a little bit. He struggled his first few years, and then when he got to Dallas, he did well. He did well, and he had his best year. And people were like, "Oh, he's he's finally catching up." At that point, maybe who knows? Maybe you've maxed out. Maybe you haven't. Take the money. And I think that that's a lesson that a lot of people can learn from this. And again, if 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 Rich, if Rich Paul was truly negligent in the way that he represented New Orleans Noel, then yeah. Rich Paul needs to be held to account too. Um, I just struggle to see how you prove that. That's, that's been my thing. I just don't know how you prove that in a court of law uh, to other people. But we'll see if New Orleans Noel can do that. I I wish the best for him. I truly do. I wish the best for everybody. Um, I wish the best for you, especially if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Also, hit that follow button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review if you would please. We got a lot to get to today. We've had a lot of topics today. Um, and the next topic involves quarterbacks and two quarterbacks that you haven't really heard a lot of or a lot from rather this offseason, but unless you're out of Denver, if you're in Denver, you definitely heard about both of these quarterbacks and you feel very strongly one way or, or another. So... Let's get right to it. The Denver Broncos have made a decision about their quarterback, and they are going with Teddy Bridgewater. Yes, Teddy Bridgewater, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints, and following that, the Carolina Panthers. He was embroiled in a quarterback competition with Drew Locke, who was the Broncos' starting quarterback for the better part of the last two years. Drew Locke was the 42nd overall pick in the 2019 NFL Draft. He has lost his starting quarterback job to Bridgewater. Bridgewater, of course, was a first-round pick back in 2014, so it kind of come full circle. We saw Teddy Bridgewater last year. He was the starting quarterback of the the Carolina Panthers. He won that job, remember, by starting a few games in relief of Drew Brees in 2018, and he did very well in the Saints offense. He did very, very well as a member of the Saints. Uh, He had, I think, I think you can say, honestly, his best season because he had a great winning percentage, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, completed 67% of his passes as a member of the Saints. In Carolina, the team was struggled. It was a very average to below average team, if we're being honest, 15 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, still completed damn near 70% of his passes, but nothing spectacular. Nothing spectacular, good enough to prove that he can still play, but not good enough to prove that... He can be a franchise guy. And I think that's the, the, the question. What can Teddy Bridgewater be as the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos? And what do the Denver Broncos look like with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm? And if I'm being honest, I don't see it being that much better with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm than Drew Locke. The one thing I will say, Teddy Bridgewater is a guy who will not make mistakes Uh, At least that often, he is not. Last year, I think was an anomaly because he was on a a team that was that was very in in a bad place um, as far as where they were in the rebuild. But I think the Broncos are a team. They have some talent on offense. They have Noah Fant. They have Cortland Sutton. They have Jerry Judy. They have uh, solid running backs in Melvin Gordon and the like. So. This is an offense that has has some good uh, offensive uh talent around it. I think Teddy Bridgewater is in a good situation to succeed and, and and you know, I think hold water and and maybe steady the ship for the the Denver Broncos in a way that maybe Drew Locke wasn't prepared for. But but uh, but I I don't know. I don't know because I think Drew Locke, if you look at what he did uh in his rookie year, he showed a lot of poise too. That's why I'm saying I'm not sure what the difference really is. Um, maybe this marks the end of Drew Locke. We'll talk about that in a second. But as far as what Teddy Bridgewater can do as a starting quarterback, can can he win? Can he, can he get a winning record with this team? I think so, sure. Can they beat the Chiefs? That's the big question. Can they beat the Chiefs? And no, they can't. They don't have the offensive firepower to beat the Chiefs with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. I'm sorry. They have a better chance if they trade for someone. I don't know, like Gardner Minshew. Genuinely, I think Gardner Minshew puts him in a much better spot. Um, but does Teddy Bridgewater do that? No, because Teddy Bridgewater, sorry to say, he, his arm, not the best. I think Drew Locke is actually better in a better position to do that uh, than Teddy Bridgewater is. But Teddy Bridgewater apparently was, was doing very well in training camp. And, again... If the goal for the Denver Broncos this year is to just be solid and okay, go 9 and 8, go 10 and 7, sure. I think Teddy Bridgewater can do that. We can go 500. We can go right around there, maybe. But he's not the long term answer. And that's just in my eyes. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is a long term answer for this team. Could he prove me wrong? Absolutely. I hope he does. I love Teddy Bridgewater. But. Looking at what I've seen, looking at what I know about about Teddy Bridgewater and this team, I just don't think it's a good fit. Um, So we'll see what happens with that as far as Drew Locke goes. So Drew Locke, this is an interesting situation. Teddy Bridgewater is now the starting quarterback in Denver. Drew Locke, 42nd overall pick back in 2019. He is now relegated to the bench. What does this mean for him? And could it mean the end? Um, The answer to that is probably. The fact that they were willing to give Teddy Bridgewater the starting job probably means that in the offseason, whether or not Teddy Bridgewater does well, they're going to be looking for another quarterback in in this offseason, whether it's through the draft, whether it's through free agency, a trade, regardless. They're probably moving on from Drew Locke, and that is barring, you know, Teddy Bridgewater either getting benched or injured, and Drew Lock coming in and just lighting it up. Drew Locke would have to come in in relief of Teddy Bridgewater, light it up, beat the Chiefs for him to save his job. That's what you got to do. You have to prove that you are not only not only able to uh, able to compete with the Chiefs, but you're also able to compete with Justin Herbert, Air Bear over there in uh, in uh, L. A. You got to compete with with Derek Carr. Is, is Drew Locke even better than Derek Carr? Probably not. Is he better than Air Bear? Definitely not. Is he better than Mahomes? Ha <laughs> ha. Funny. So that's the thing. He's probably the, 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 the fourth best quarterback in that division amongst like, and that's don't if you don't even count Teddy Bridgewater. And the fact that Bridgewater was able to beat him out should be alarming to Drew Locke fans. It should be alarming to Drew Locke because that means someone came in. Someone came in. And beat you. Because the burden of proof wasn't necessarily on, on Drew Locke in this case. It was on Teddy Bridgewater to prove that he was better than Drew Locke. And for Drew Locke to also show them that he wasn't as good as Teddy Bridgewater. And I think a little bit of both happened. Drew, we heard reports that Drew Locke was kind of struggling in training camp. We heard And we heard rumors that Teddy Bridgewater was fine. And it was a and but neither person, neither quarterback, was really outshining the other. And if you're the young guy and you are and you've been there for two years, you've been in this offense, you've been on this team for two years, and you can't win the starting job, and you're a second round pick. There's a there's a little bit of clout for you. There, there's a little bit of hey, egg, egg, you're our guy, and they still take it away from you maybe it's showing that drew lock has bigger problems than we realize as far as on the field so okay i think i reconnected let me see are we reconnected over here okay we are reconnected but yeah drew lock yeah it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough for drew lock um I wish him the best. I like Drew Locke. I thought he showed a lot of poise. I thought he showed a lot of athleticism. I thought his arm strength is great. He might actually have just as strong an arm as Mahomes, and that's no cap. We just haven't seen it really, and then that's unfortunate. But he's he's in a tough spot, and it might just be over. It might be over for Drew Locke, and it's sad because, he, again— Good guy showed poise. I think it just wasn't his time. I genuinely believe it just was not Drew Locke's time uh, in Denver. And sometimes it's all it is about timing. Timing plays a huge uh, hand in these decisions. It, pay, it plays a huge hand in the the overall uh, outlook for a team. And unfortunately, just was not Locke's time. But them's the breaks, kid. Hopefully, he'll land on his feet. Who knows? He could end up being a starter. Could end up being a Hall of Famer. We don't know. He's young. That's the other thing people need to remember. He's a young kid. Let him learn. Let him grow. Let him do his thing. Another quarterback. Another quarterback who's very young and who is very underlooked and who I have I have questioned greatly over the past few years is Daniel Jones, and let's talk about him. Because I have... I do not hate Daniel Jones. Let me make this abundantly clear. Before we get to this segment, I want to make this so clear to every Giants fan out there. I don't hate Daniel Jones. I don't despise Daniel Jones. I don't want him to fail. I am just giving you the truth. And the truth is, Daniel Jones was made, was not ready to be a franchise guy. Daniel Jones was never going to be a franchise-changing quarterback, and he likely never will be, but that's okay. And let me start my argument by looking at the stats. Let's do that. Daniel Jones, 35 touchdowns, 22 interceptions in his first two years. Not bad, but also not great. Almost 6,000 yards passing, completing 62% of his passes, 8-18. and 18. Again, the numbers, they're not bad, but they're also not like, oh my God, this is the guy. And when you watch him play, it's inconsistent. It's actually like they drafted Eli Manning light. And that's no disrespect to Eli Manning. Daniel Jones, probably not as a level of Eli Manning, probably never will be as successful, if we're being honest. But Daniel Jones, to me, he's entering his third year As the Giants uh, quarterback, it's only his second official year as the starter, although he he was drafted in the first round, and he was going to start. He was just going to start his rookie year. You never draft a guy in the first round and expect him not to start like that. Um, And the team this offseason declined his fifth-year option, which to a lot of people means that he's likely not going to be in the plans unless he has a breakout season this year. And that's what he needs to have. If Daniel Jones doesn't have a breakout season this year— He's history in New York. That's it, and them's the breaks. That's how it be. The NFL is a monster, a cutthroat business that will move on from you. That and that's something that I think Daniel Jones definitely has in mind. That's something the Giants definitely know and have in mind. And it is it, it is sad because when Daniel Jones is coming out of college, one thing I, I I thought about him was Daniel Jones can be a good quarterback, and that is his ceiling and when he's in when he's playing in the NFL i think it's undeniable that when you see him play that is true daniel jones ceiling is a solid quarterback it's not an elite quarterback it's not a great quarterback it's not a hall of fame level quarterback it is good quarterback and the question is should the giants have spent a first round pick on a guy who was just going to be good. Probably not. The, and then, like, look, they, they passed on a guy this year in Justin Fields who had the potential to be great and who were watching this preseason be great. But Daniel Jones was never going to be that guy. And Daniel Jones was... I don't understand, honestly, what the obsession was with Daniel Jones in the draft. He, he, had, he had a good arm. He, he, he looked good. But he struggled with footwork. He struggled with being consistent in the pocket. And look, he's shown he has athleticism. He's shown that, you know, he has spurts of being good, but he's a very streaky player. And he's... And so there are times where he lacks poise. There's times where he, you can see he gets rattled. And that's not something you want to see out of your guy. That's not something you want to see, especially out of a young quarterback. And over time, you don't want him to stick with that stuff. You don't want that stuff to, to become a consistent trait of his. And I don't care what anyone, all these Giants fans want to say. Oh, well, he was one game out of the playoffs. Six and ten. Fuck off. I don't care. That that you know that doesn't count. Um, in the NFC East. It doesn't count if he was one game out of the playoffs. Um uh, but but I think Daniel Jones this year, it is a make or break year from him. He has to be not only just good, and you know, oh, the Giants went, you know, whatever, like what, what can they go this year? Eight and nine and and snuck into the playoffs. It can't be that. He has to be good yes, be good, great, for them to stick with him past this year. And that's just the truth. And I know Giants fans don't want to hear it. I know Johnny probably doesn't want to hear it. But that is the truth because a few years ago, they bet on a guy whose ceiling was solid instead of building around and waiting for the guy whose ceiling was great, which is probably the way they should have done it. They should not have drafted Daniel Jones at least as high as they did I think Daniel Jones was a second to third round talent, honestly, because he's a prospect. He was always a prospect. And what I will say about him that he has shown is he has shown that he can play. This is not about, oh, Daniel Jones can't play the game of football. Of course he can. Of course he can. He's thrown 35 touchdowns, 22 picks, and and almost 6,000 yards in two years. He can play football. It was never about that. It's about whether or not he can be great, whether or not he can be the franchise guy and carry the Giants, and you just don't see it. It's not happening. And unless it happens this year, guys, I'm sorry, Daniel Jones is not going to be a New York Giant, and they're going to move on. They're going to hopefully, if they're smart, move on and get Rattler, get one of these other quarterbacks that are coming out next year, trade for somebody else who, who can make that team better. I just hope, I hope for the sake of Daniel Jones, he has a breakout year. He has to have a Pro Bowl year. He has to prove that he is a franchise guy. And if he doesn't, it's over. And the Giants and Dave Gettleman and everyone who who, who picked Daniel Jones in the first round and was like, oh my God, we found the guy and and let's rally around the guy. They're going to be proven wrong. And it's sad because the saddest part is Daniel Jones never should have been in this position to begin with. He never should have been a first round pick. Because and and I'm and it's not an indictment on Jones. It's an indictment on some of these people who evaluate talent. They put people in positions they're not ready for or they put people in positions uh, thinking they know everything, thinking that these GMs, they think they know everything about how to observe talent, yet Half the people in every draft end up being busts. It's a crapshoot. Be honest with yourselves. It's a crapshoot sometimes. And sometimes you'll like a player. If they liked Daniel Jones and that was it, I'm fine with that. And if if they want to stick with Daniel Jones because they like him, cool. That's fine. It's not a smart football move. If you can get someone who's better and who has the ability over time to be better, it's not smart. But it's fine. And if it gets you in the position... And, and, and it gets you in a position where you can win a Super Bowl, sure, I just don't see it happening. Sorry. <sighs> I like Daniel Jones. I like Daniel Jones. And he's not a bust. Let me make that abundantly clear. I don't think he's a bust because I – I, and, and it's easy to say it because he, he can play football. I – if the term "bust" mean – he can't play football and he never should have been in the league, then he's definitely not a bust. If the term bust means he should have been a franchise quarterback by now, then he probably is. But I, I don't know. It depends on your definition of what a bust is, right? That, that, that's what it depends on. I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak on that right now. Anyway, what I will speak on is this channel and how great it is and how much I love giving you guys content. Therefore, you should show me some love, just a little bit of love. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Let's move on. Actually, let's stick with the NFL and stick with quarterbacks. Oh, big surprise there. And talk about, excuse me, ooh, had two there. Excuse me. (laughs) And talk about the Saints quarterback competition that is heating up between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. So let's talk about it now as I pull up my. My cheat sheet here um so james winston could not have made a stronger case to become the starting quarterback of the new orleans saints after his performance on monday night football this past week winston completed nine of ten passes for 123 yards two deep touchdown throws that ended up in the spectacular hands of marquez calloway against the jacksonville jaguars um so that he showed a lot of poise here. Saints head coach Sean Payton, though, did decline to comment on whether he had made an official announcement uh, on the starting quarterback on who that's going to be. He did say that he would probably make a decision um, by the next preseason game. So we have this week to kind of see where that's going to go. For what it's worth, Taysom Hill, he finished the game 11 of 20 passing for 138 yards, no turnovers, no rushing attempts, though. He, and it's also worth to know for Taysom Hill, he's kind of got a little bit of credibility as far as being a starter in this offense, specifically because in relief of Drew Brees last year, he went 3-1 and one as a starting quarterback, four touchdowns, two picks, 72% of his passes were completed. He completed 72% of his passes, threw for 928 yards, 450 yards rushing on the ground, and eight rushing touchdowns. So. Very dynamic player in Taysom Hill. And I know a lot of people immediately, immediately want to go and say, Jameis Winston, he won the starting quarterback job on in that one quarter, and, and, he, and he should be the starting quarterback. And what I will say to that is Jameis Winston had one good quarter of preseason football against the Jacksonville Jaguars with his wide receiver making great catches. Yes, that's true. And this is not, I'm not trying to say Jameis Winston it, it couldn't become the starting quarterback or couldn't win the job. I just think that with Taysom Hill, I still think that he provides a better option for this team to run a more dynamic offense and probably the offense that Sean Payton wants to run. Which is one that gets Hill outside of the pocket, gets Hill, you know, moving around, gets Hill maybe running for a bunch of yards in a game and becoming a, a little bit of the, a dynamic player, kind of like Lamar Jackson. Although he's he's not Lamar Jackson, I want to make that clear. But Chase Demille is still one hell of an athlete. I think he is what Tim Tebow or what people thought Tim Tebow was, and I am a huge Tim Tebow fan. I want to make that clear too. But Let's be honest here. A lot of people hype Tim Tebow up to be, oh, my God, this super athlete who can throw. He is Tim Tebow, but he can throw the fuck out of a football Can Taysom Hill. And that is truth. Taysom Hill proved last year he can be a starter in this league. And I think the Saints have been coveting him for a reason. They gave him a pretty good contract for a reason, although a lot of that is voidable. It's because I think they believe in him. And I think Sean Payton does. And I think what really Sean Payton is looking for is... Taysom Hill to prove that he can't be the starter or for Jameis Winston to take it away. And I don't think, I don't think if we're being honest, Jameis Winston in one good quarter of preseason football throwing for two touchdowns on spectacular catches by his wide receiver really took it away. I think Taysom Hill didn't really do anything in the preseason that we've seen to really uh, give it away either. So, I think if if Sean Payton, if I know Sean Payton like I think I do, I think he's gonna stick with Taysom Hill. I do. I think that if Taysom Hill struggles, he he won't be quick about switching over to Jameis Winston. I think he will be quick. Yeah, I think I think if Sean Payton sees after a few weeks that Taysom Hill just is not working, he'll he'll make that switch very quick because Jameis Winston I think can also run the Saints offense pretty efficiently. I just think the the ceiling is higher. Much, much significantly higher with Taysom Hill, and when you get him those reps week to week, when you get him that in-game um, 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 ability, sorry, that in-game um, experience, it will it will prove very very handy um, for the next for like this year to come. And I think Taysom Hill will get better. That and I truly believe that the dude completed seventy-two percent of his passes last year. Went, f- went three and one as a starter, threw a 450 yards rushing and eight rushing touchdowns. This guy is a baller, a baller, an athlete. He needs to be on the field. And look, even in Seamus Winston's a starting quarterback, he is going to be, Dale is going to be used. You can expect him to be used. He's going to be used in that same, uh, in a very similar way I think he was used under Drew Brees. But I think there is a lot. There are a lot of people out there who are looking at one quarter of preseason football and amplifying it and and making it. You know, oh my God, this is the only thing that's ever happened in this entire quarterback competition. Like like acting like there hasn't been, you know, an entire training camp that has gone by, and acting like there isn't, you know, a, a any backstory at all or any um body of work for Taysom Hill at all, except. He's had a body of work. He's been in this offense for the past, like, four years. He knows this offense better than anyone in that quarterback room. He knows how to run it to the best of its ability. And he—and Sean Payton is comfortable with him, and he trusts him, and he has great reason to because he's—Taysom Hill in the running game has an advantage. Taysom Hill in the passing game, because of his ability to run, I think, has a, an advantage over James Winston. And James Winston can still throw. James Winston can still be a good quarterback, but— I gotta give the slight edge to Taysom Hill, and I'm going to because like I said, Taysom Hill has not done anything to give this job away. And that's what has to happen for in order for Jameis Winston to do it. And honestly, I just don't think I don't see it. That one preseason game did not have did not I did not see him take it away. Maybe Sean Payton agrees. Maybe he disagrees. We'll see about that. I just think if you want to optimize your ability, optimize your offensive firepower, you put Taysom Hill in as your starting quarterback, and you and you see if the defenses can figure him out. Because he, unlike Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, he doesn't run through people. He runs around people. Taysom Hill runs through people. He is a hard-hitting player like h back old style quarterback he will run right up the middle and get you that first down baby like and and he'll and he'll run and he's much and he's one of the one of the fastest quarterbacks in the NFL today he can throw the ball and it might not look great every time but it's efficient it's very efficient look at what he did last year that's all I will say about that look at what he did last year on this team so We'll see about that. We'll see how well Taysom Hill and and, and Jameis Winston do in practice this week because this is going to be a very important week, I think, in practice to prove who is going to end up being that starting quarterback um, going into next week. In case you guys haven't already, please, please hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Um, I want to kind of switch gears. This is the last official topic that we have for today and then we're probably going to I'll, I'll take some questions in the chat if you guys have any otherwise we'll probably end it um but oh, let me one more thing sorry about that i'm, I'm my own producer and hosting this alone I, I i should be paid way more than i am i'm not paid for this at all <laughs> um but i could be if you go on patreon.com forward slash real take sports to support This wonderful show and all the wonderful work that we do and all the wonderful content we put out every single day, every single week. I'm adding another show starting in September on the first Sunday of the NFL. We're doing Real Take Football Talk live Sunday morning, September. uh, I think it's the 12th or the 11th, either one gonna be gonna be live there and telling talking to you guys about the nfl about the games and going over every single game and and, and the matchups and some of the keys behind those matchups so if you want to help out and and help me feel better about doing that hit up patreon.com forward slash real take sports and you can also get some exclusive content in the future and Access to our exclusive post show for Real Take Wrestle Talk on Tuesdays by hitting up patreon.com forward slash Real Take Sports and joining the $5 a month or above tier. So check that out. Be sure to do that. Um, and worst case, if you can't do that, understood, hit that like button. Five stars on Apple Podcasts would also be much, much, much appreciated. I am just chilling out everything today. Another another set of people who are shilling out, it would seem, are uh, Bleacher Reports. So this was interesting. Bleacher Report released their quarterback rankings. They they ranked all the starting quarterbacks in the NFL uh, 1 to 32. And some of the results were very, very peculiar. And some of them were spot on. I'll, I'll give them that. But uh, mostly peculiar here. So let, let's just go from 1 to 32. Number one, they have Patrick Mahomes following that at 2 they have Tom Brady, 3 Aaron Rodgers, 4 Russell Wilson, 5 Josh Allen, 6 Lamar Jackson, 7 Matt Ryan. So let's just take and let's just take a look at that right here. That top 10 from Patrick Mahomes to Kyler Murray. One thing that stands out to me immediately Aaron Rodgers not being number 2. That immediately stands out to me. I understand Patrick Mahomes being number 1. I would probably agree with that. And I love the stuff that Aaron Rodgers does uh that he, This is why I'm about to make the case that he should be above Tom Brady because Aaron Rodgers proved last year he won the MVP last year. He went out there with all the scrutiny around him and won the MVP. Brady, yeah, he won a Super Bowl. But you can't tell me that Tom Brady is a better player than Aaron Rodgers is right now. That's untrue. Tom Brady was in a very unique situation where he had great pieces around him, a great defense around him that made him successful. That is truth too. I'm not and that's not me saying, oh, Tom Brady can't play football. He do falling off a cliff and he needs help. No. Tom Brady still I would still put him in a top ten, top six even. He can be a top six quarterback, in my opinion. I just don't see him being the second best quarterback uh in the NFL right now. I think Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback is better. Let's move on now. So so that's that's number one. I think Aaron Rodgers, so this is just underselling Aaron Rodgers. And who knows? It'll probably be a chip on his shoulder as well. No, let's move on here. And then we move on to number four through, uh, let's do look at four through eight, because that's very interesting to me in the, in the order they have these people at. So they have Russell Wilson, then Josh Allen, then Lamar Jackson, Matt Ryan, and Dak Prescott. So... that again, again, I, I, I don't know if I agree with, I agree with Russell Wilson being ahead of all those other guys. I would also put Russell Wilson above Tom Brady right now. I would also put probably Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson above Tom Brady right now. It's again, not all time, not saying Tom Brady's a bad quarterback, but right now I think those players are better than Tom Brady. Fight me. (laughs) Um, so that's where I so I would probably put Tom Brady around six and move everyone up, basically. That 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 would be me. Uh and then you get the Matt Ryan, Dak Prescott, and Ryan Tannehill. That, so those are just about where I thought they would be. Ryan Tannehill had a great season last year. He probably deserves to be moved up some charts. Um Do I think he's a he's the 10th best quarterback in the league? By the way, I want to make it clear. There are the the NFL is loaded with quarterback talent. They're all almost all of these quarterbacks on this list are extremely talented. So just to make that clear. Um, that's not an indictment on anyone. Um, and then you move on, and you got some of the young guys. Kyler Murray at ten. Justin Herbert after one year, one great year, by the way, thirty one touchdowns, uh, going up to number eleven on this list. Probably deserves that. I would say I would, I would put him up there. Uh, but, but you know, I mean. Yeah, I don't know if I I don't know. It's just me reacting to this. I'm just I'm just yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't have if you're gonna put Ryan Danhill up there, you probably should put Herbert up there, but the biggest one here, as you look at number twelve through fifteen. Look at this. This is this is where I have a huge problem, by the way. Number twelve, Matthew Stafford. Okay, fair enough. Number thirteen, Derek Carr. Fair enough, I'm sure, maybe a little lower. Number 14, 14, Kirk fucking Cousins. You're telling me Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield? Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger. I know Ben Roethlisberger ain't what he used to be. Trust me, I watched the AFC North game. I watched those Steelers games. He was not great at the latter part of the season, but he's better than Kirk Cousins. Jared Goff is better than Kirk Cousins. I mean, then that's no cap. Jared Goff is better than Kirk Cousins. How do you have Kirk Cousins above Baker Mayfield, though? That is blasphemous. That truly blasphemous. Baker Mayfield broke the NFL rookie record before Justin Herbert did uh, after him. But he broke the NFL rookie record for touchdown passes in the season. He he balled out on a terrible Cleveland Browns team, um, got them to a winning record a year after going 0-16. And you're telling me that Baker Mayfield is a worse quarterback or not as good as Kirk fucking Cousins? This guy literally had his teammate, Everson Griffin, call him trash. The second he left the Vikings, he was like, Kirk Cousins is garbage. And because he is, it makes no sense to me that Kirk Cousins has had the first two Fully guaranteed contracts in NFL history. Both went to Kirk Cousins, both of them, and he, and they've got them rated. They've got him rated higher than Baker Mayfield. Ludicrous Bleacher Report. Absolutely ludicrous. Luda. Oh my God, it's bad. Um, let's keep going down this list because what a list this turns out to be. So you got Jared Goff here, above, below Carson Wentz. Uh, eh, sure, they're probably at the same level, but below Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, but below Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff is definitely a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. I'll I'll take that to the bank. I'll take that bank. I think the Lions are actually going to do fairly well. They got a they got protection behind him. I think Jared Goff isn't as bad as people say. He was he wasn't as good as being a first overall pick, but he's not as bad as people say. He still got his team to a a Super Bowl. He was still successful in that offense, regardless of what people want to say about him. Then you then you look at uh, the rest of the list here. You got. Danny Dimes here at 20. Danny Dimes. Daniel Jones above all of some of these people. Some of the people they have Daniel Jones rated above are Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jimmy Garoppolo. You're telling me? Jimmy Garoppolo is a much better court. I would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo than than... than Daniel Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo at least has some intangible qualities that show he can be, you know, a great quarterback sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. Um, similar thing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's, he, he's definitely better than Daniel Jones. I'd rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick. If, if I'm trying to win a Super Bowl one year, I'm taking Ryan Fitzpatrick now over Daniel Jones right now. That's truth. Um, and then you, you round out uh, someone who fell really low in this is, is uh, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold fell all the way down to 27th. They have him below Andy Dalton, Cam Newton, uh, Jimmy G. And you know what? He didn't really do much on the Jets to prove it, but I think Sam Darnold is going to prove a lot of people wrong as a member of the Carolina Panthers this year. Um, this is real funny, too. They, uh, we talked about the the quarterback situation between the uh, Denver Broncos and how it was very even, and neither quarterback really took it. So that was peculiar. Bleacher Report has both Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater rated 29. That's why I have two 29s up there, because they did. They have Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater both rated at 29. They couldn't even pick him. Um, but, yeah, probably about right. Zach Wilson is not as good as Jalen Hurts. I'm sorry. I know that kid's got a cannon, but he's not as good, and he's on a terrible team. Sorry, not as good. That's cap. Also, loss in all of this. At number 28, Tua Tokovailoa. Tua I love Tua. Last year, though, there were some things that that were that were apparent about uh, his his. I don't know whether it was lack of desire to throw the ball downfield, and maybe, maybe he. I know he doesn't have the strongest arm, but the you, there were some times where he would just throw it and it would look off, and he would just go into the dirt, and it would be short passes, and and you were concerned about it. So th- that's something that Tua needs to to really remedy this year in order to move up. I don't. I think twenty eight. Again, young quarterback. We'll see what he does this year. But the biggest things that stood out to me, the two biggest things that stood out to me that I'm mad about, Kirk Cousins being the 14th best quarterback in in the NFL. Kirk Cousins, at best, should be like 20. Put him in between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Cam Newton. That's where Kirk Cousins is. Kirk Cousins is probably the, the 23rd, 24th best quarterback in the league. In a very talented NFL. That's just truth. He. Fucking. Fucking garbage. He... His own teammates started calling him garbage. Come on, man. Stefan Diggs. He ran Stefan Diggs out of town because Stephon Diggs didn't want to play with him. He wanted to go play with a real quarterback. You're telling me he's better than Baker fucking Mayfield? Fuck out of here, Bleacher Report. All cap. No ball. All cap. Um. Anyway, unless you guys have any questions. That's all I have to say about this list. Um... So if you guys have any questions, put them in the chat right now. Um, in case you missed it, uh, we all, we talked about everything from Rachel Nichols being fired to uh, LeBron's agent being sued to everything else in the wonderful world of quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, so please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so, if you, uh, so you get notified whenever a new video is released. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please follow us and be sure to hit up patreon.com forward slash sports to support us, support the content we put out, support our new show that's coming out, support our exclusive content that you will get access to at the $5 a month or above club. You get exclusive uh, first access to special documentary videos we have coming out. You also get access to our weekly live show after Real Take Wrestle Talk on Tuesday nights around 10 p.m. And we talk about wrestling for about uh, uh, half an hour to an hour after the show. So you get right, uh, access to that show. You'll get access to whatever shows are, are incoming at the $5 a month or above uh, club on patreon.com forward slash Real Take Sports can also just if you want to just pitch in become a sixth man you know and just show your gratitude you can also donate at two dollars a month the two hour month club is fine we'll also work with you um you know on that as well just reach out to us uh at at real Take sports on twitter real Take sports talk at gmail.com again real Take sports talk at gmail.com reach out to us however you want and we'll work make something work um so, yeah, I mean, well, what else is going on in the wonderful, wonderfully wacky world of uh, sports? I don't know. Um, We didn't talk about the baseball. Well, we'll talk about the baseball playoffs on a separate thing. I have a whole special thing planned for that because, uh, by the way, the baseball playoffs are, are going to probably go really late this year. Really late. Like, they have the final – I think if, if we have a Game 7 for the World Series, it's going to go into, like, November 3rd or November 4th, which would be, like, the latest since 2009. Um so that's like a big so that's a huge thing that's that that's people are talking about right now. Like, like wow, like baseball is gonna go pretty freaking late this year. Um, but that's it that, that that's sometimes I mean that's I guess how the scheduling worked out because I mean the year was kind of thrown off by previous year and the COVID year maybe. Um so that's how it is. Um what else is going on here? What else is going on in the wonderful world of the NFL? Breaking news, okay. So, ooh, here we go. Um, High school recruit Imani Bates announced that he has committed to the University of Memphis. That's interesting. That's an interesting thing. Like I said, Rachel Nichols also uh, booted off of ESPN. I'm just looking through Twitter. You guys can also put stuff in the chat. Put some questions in the chat. I'll answer them. I'm just looking at stuff on Twitter right now. Um, What else is happening? LeBron James is apparently on hard knocks. Don't really care about that. Oh, here we go. So, breaking news, the NFL announces it will begin requiring all coaches and staff to be fully vaccinated in order to enter locker rooms on game days. Yeah. Take the fucking shot. (laughs) That's all I got to say. Take the fucking shot. Unless you, like, unless, like, you have a condition where you literally cannot take the shot, just take the fucking shot. Get get immunity. Get, Get a better immune system. Like not wearing your fucking seatbelt when you're driving, or or yeah, like why wouldn't uh, whatever, um whatever. Look, hey, that was a the break. You gotta deal with the consequences if you don't. That's fine if you don't want to. Like I'm not gonna force you to, do, but probably should. Um, what else is going on? Um, what else? Um, I'm again just looking through Twitter here. Did you do? CM Punk returned I know that has nothing to do with regular sports that's a wrestling thing and we have a separate show for that but CM Punk returned and I'm still not over it actually I'm missing um as of this recording I am missing part of Dynamite and I cannot wait to watch that um but yeah yeah looks like that's all the big news I covered I think I covered everything that's been breaking today so guys thank you for sticking with me thank you for sticking with us this has been a real take sports talk number 52 one whole years worth of real take sports talk uh as far as weekly shows finally finally we got to it um so looking forward to bringing you guys more again so in starting September, it's going to become really busy. There's going to be a Real Take Wrestle Talk on Tuesdays, Real Take Sports Talk. I think Wednesday might become the day uh, and because there's no other day can realistically happen. So that's probably what it's going to be. Real Take Sports, Real Take Wrestle Talk on Tuesday nights, Real Take Sports Talk on Wednesday, Real Take Football Talk coming to you every single NFL week, all 18 of them now, um, Sunday mornings, Throughout the NFL, we'll break down all of the big games, all of the big uh, storylines going into that week. And actually, not all the big games. We'll be talking about every single game. So, Real Take Football Talk going to be coming to you as well. Um, Also looking to expand a little bit. Chicago fans, stay tuned. But I'll talk about that on another day. We will see you guys. Same time, same place, next week. Apparently, Wednesday's the night. Wednesday night. We'll see you.